Well, good morning. We'll get started here. And that is, how's that volume? Okay. All right. I'll have to, I'll try to remember to bring me down. Not the volume is fine. I'll try to bring. Me down. Okay. Good morning. <clears throat> Welcome. It's good to have everybody. We're here in week number seven. I'm not sure I've done anything in my life six or seven weeks in a row. <laughs> Welcome to uh, the adult elective hour, Community Bible Chapel. And uh, let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the day. The <clears throat> we do thank you for uh, the gift of this weekend, Lord, and what it represents. Lord, there are uh, those that gave their life so that we might enjoy the freedom of this world. But Lord, most importantly, we, we give you thanks for your son who bought for us freedom in this life and the life to come. We thank you for that. Greater love has no man than he give his life for another. Lord, just give us, we ask you to give us an understanding today of this subject matter. We pray that we would have our, our minds and our hearts open by your spirit. Lord, I pray that I would be faithful to your word. If there is anything that uh, is untrue or false in what I teach, Father, I pray that that would not uh, have an effect on people. Lord, I ask you to guard this hour. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, here we are, the schedule. We uh, <clears throat> remember where we, we have come from. We are in week seven, Perseverance of the Saints. Next week, we'll, I think I'm still saying dilemmas, <clears throat> so what, how shall we live? We'll do some kind of a summary, maybe deal with some of the, I'm going to call them dilemma, dilemma issues that seem to pop up. If you have any questions, if I've not ex- in your mind explained anything, or if, if something needs to be addressed, you all have my email. It was up there before, we had to give it to you afterwards, call me. And I will see if I can think about that and, and give a, a good and fair response. And if I can't, I'll just pretend I never heard the question. <laughs> As any good teacher does. A rule of scripture. I hope that I have been uh, steadfast and resolute in going to scripture in this series. That has been my intention. Not to deal with the logic of men necessarily, but to deal with what Scripture says. If we can't take it from Scripture, then we don't really need to be addressing it from an eternal issue. The root and stem of our blossom, our tulip, is God's character and sovereignty. He is free. He is sovereign. He is good. He is merciful. And uh, we are privileged to enjoy Him forever. And that is what undergirds and, and holds up all of this of all these teachings. Man's condition is that he is totally depraved. Our view of salvation to a large extent is based on our view of men and God. Man's nature is corrupt, perverse, and sinful throughout. The whole of man's being is affected. It is incapable of spiritual good. 
That's what we're saying in total depravity. Not as, that everyone is as bad as he can possibly be, but that we are corrupted in every aspect of it. We can do no spiritual or moral good. Since that is our condition, God must come in and by his own condition, his own freedom, and his own sovereignty, elect for himself a people. Since left to our own selves, none of us would seek God. God chose before the foundation of the world certain individuals from Adam's race to receive his undeserved favor. It is purely God's self-determining purpose by which we are saved. So if God chose us for the foundations of the world, if he elected us, well, he must then redeem that people for himself, thus limited atonement or a particular redemption. Christ's redeeming work was definite and specific in design and in accomplishment. It was intended to save and it actually secured that salvation of his people. It did not just merely make it possible and a question mark, but it was designed, it was intended, and it was definite and specific and it accomplished all that he came to do. God will not be thwarted. Last week, we looked at irresistible grace, the eye and the tulip. We said that simply it is this. The Holy Spirit never fails to bring to salvation those whom he personal calls to Christ, whom Christ has redeemed. Another way to say it is, God raises the dead. That's our condition. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, made us alive together in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. Right? That's what we're talking about, Ephesians 2, just like we dealt with in the service today. So today we come to the final doctrine in the tulip, in the system of theology that we've called Calvinism. Doctrines of grace is another way you'll hear it referred to. And I believe that it is simply the biblical gospel. Right? God working in men. Perseverance of the saints, the P in tulip. Perseverance of the saints. Well, let's uh, read a definition, a definition of it. <clears throat> The elect are not only redeemed by Christ and renewed by the Spirit, but also kept by faith in the almighty power of God. Look right here. The elect, God and the Father from eternity past, elected for himself a people. Those people were redeemed by Christ. And the Spirit, last week we saw irresistibly, comes in and he renews them to salvation. We see the Trinity at work. God is at work in salvation. And we are kept in faith by the almighty power of God, the Trinitarian God that we worship. And that's what we're talking about today. The persevering work is a Trinitarian work of the Christian God. All those who are spiritually united to Christ through regeneration are eternally secure in Him. Nothing, no thing can separate them from the eternal and unchangeable love of God. They have been predestined to eternal glory and are therefore assured of heaven. That is our hope. Elected by the Father, redeemed by Christ, renewed and irresistibly drawn by the Spirit, and we are preserved by the working of the Trinitarian God. 
So what is the point this doctrine is answering? What was the point? Why did they have to come? Why, did, why was this statement? Why does it have to be established? What, what, are we up, what was up against, so to speak? Well, <clears throat> the remonstrance and plaging before them basically said that if man is free and man has the free will to choose, well, of course, man then has the ability to turn. Right? Right? If Christ... Uh, if we're elected by the Father or we're elected based upon the condition of our whatever, turning to Him, persevering, whatever, well, then we can turn and do something else. Right? So, they said, believers have been empowered to live a victorious life, the remonstrance said. But they are capable of turning from grace and losing their salvation. And what we have to remember is, you know, some of the remonstrance said, we just don't know. Scripture's not clear. We really don't know about eternal security, the perseverance of the saints, or the preservation of God. But in time, it came to be held that although we've been empowered to live a victorious life, we are capable from turning from that grace and losing that salvation. CBC, in our Statement of Faith, we say it this way in the part of our Statement of Faith that we call Redemption Assured. We believe that Christ, our Redeemer, died because of our offenses and was raised from the dead because of our justification. And having offered once one sacrifice for sin for all time, he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, whom he continually makes intercession for his people. We believe that the Lord Jesus has, given, has been given by the Father as head over all things to the church so that we need fear no evil and may surely know that nothing can snatch us out of his hands and nothing, no thing, can separate us from his love. We know that God has set his love upon us, therefore that is sure. Perseverance of the saints. Preservation of the saints. The Son intercedes for the saints continually at the Father's right hand, and the Spirit, proceeding from the Father, works in us continually to renew our hearts and enable us to remain faithful. So we've seen in the ongoing Trinity work in a believer's life that, we, that there's an eternal security for the believer. So why is the doctrine, or why is the doctrine perseverance of the saints? Why is it perseverance of the saints? Right? You also heard it called, you've probably heard it called security of the believer, eternal security, preservation of the saints. We're going to look at today what I call it's a two-sided coin. Okay, a two-sided coin. And the technical word is it's an antinomy. Okay? On the one hand, in man's mind, there is a uh, a contrariness or a contradiction. There is this tension that the saints are preserved, must persevere, and that God preserves. Okay, we're going to look at that. This perseverance, the saints persevering, and God preserving, God securing. And on the other hand, the other side of the coin, we see that God preserves until the end. He will not let us fall. Our salvation is based upon His sure thing. 
The doctrine is really two. God is faithful. He will preserve us until the end. And God's requirement that we persevere to the end in a life that seeks after holiness. Not only will the saints persevere, but they must persevere. That's the argument we'll make today. Okay? I wrote down some things. <clears throat> Here's a summary. Let's just get them on. Perseverance of the saints is not perfection. That's not what we're talking about. Okay? We're not talking about attaining perfection. Perseverance of the saints is not a works righteousness. We're not talking about that. Okay? There is a firm assurance of God preserving his saints. Warnings, we're going to look at warnings, okay? But warnings are the means of grace by which God preserves his saints, okay? God's working. God is sovereign. God is going to preserve his saints, and he's going to preserve them in their perseverance, okay? So the question is, what we're not saying, we just looked at, Okay, we're not saying that everyone who professes the Christian faith is a believer. Okay, we're not saying that. We're not saying that a true believer can lose their salvation. We're not saying that to persevere means we do not fall in our Christian walk and stumble. And sometimes we sin grievously as believers. Okay, we, we acknowledge that, we understand that. This doctrine does not stand alone by itself. It is a necessary result of what we've been studying in this class. Okay? It's a necessary result of what we have been studying. Okay? God, because of our condition, God chose us. He redeemed us. We saw that He makes a completely brand new work in our hearts. It's alive. And we respond to Him. So, the question is, is perseverance necessary if we are to be saved in the last day, perseverance of the saints. That's the question. Is perseverance necessary? We all like preservation of the saints. Okay, that's We're very comfortable with that. But is perseverance, but, but peace perseverance, we all say that. But is perseverance necessary? All right. Let's look at some text in Scripture. I say perseverance is a necessity. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity, severity to those who, you, who have fallen, but God's kindness to you. Provided you continue in His kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. We must not presume upon God's kindness. Perseverance and necessity. 1 Corinthians 15.2 now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand. One side. If, I'm sorry, and by which you are being saved right now, right? It's a, it's a real-time event. We're being, we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. Our perseverance is dependent upon our holding fast to the truth of God's words. We must not reject it. 
perseverance and says, and you who were once or who were once were alienated and hostile minds, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and on which I, Paul, have become a minister. Colossians 1, 21-23. We must persevere in the faith. We must persevere in the faith of the true hope of the gospel. Grace. We must persevere in grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Note what's being said or what's not being said. It's not saying we will be his house if we hold fast. No, it says we are his his house if indeed we hold fast. House is not conditional upon the if. If is conditional upon the house. Make sense? We are his house. Now, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. It's not dependent. Does that make sense? It's not something we don't become his house in the end. We are his house. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Jesus says that we must abide. Okay? We must live. We must gain strength. We must gain our sustenance in his word. His disciples, his followers abide. That's what Jesus is saying. We must abide. We must, excuse me, we must persevere to inherit the kingdom of God will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Okay, I I get off the hook. I'm okay on that list, right? I'm good to go. How about jealousy? <laughs> and things like these. Uh-oh. I'm back on the list, right? I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. His point is not to make a list that you can check off and think, I'm good to go. His point is to say, if these are the works that you consistently find, the point is, don't let these be the works of your flesh. Instead, we need to have the works of the Spirit. That's what he's saying. Okay? Works of the flesh or works of the Spirit? 
It's not an exhaustive list. It's not about lift. It's about what your works are, what you are characterized by, right? We've been saved by grace. He's good for the good works that he's performed beforehand for us, Ephesians 2.10, right? It's a, it's a warning. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. To inherit the kingdom of God. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. That's nice to know. Paul's talking to the Corinthians. He said, and such were some of you. God can save us from anything, and he can keep us from all things, and there is no thing that can snatch us out of his hand. But it's clear that the unrighteous will not see inherit the kingdom of God. Swindlers, robbers, you leave work early? Dangers of persevering in sin. Dangers of persevering in sin. Jesus said, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. I'm just reading what Jesus said. Other seeds fell on good soil. Parable of the soils, right? Parable of the soils. Other seeds that fell on good soil and produced grain. And some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let's go all the way down to verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another sixty and another 30. Okay? A good soil bears fruit. Right? It's not the seed. Right? It's the soil. So the question is this. So why will any of us persevere until the end and be saved? Why do any of us keep on believing? Right? It's easy now. I mean, right? Pretty good. I'm clean. Got a shower. My belly's full. But, but why do we persevere even when it's tough? Why? Why do any of us keep on believing? I'm fickle. My emotions go here. My emotions go there. Why do I keep on believing? We keep on believing and persevering in faith because we are kept by the power of God. 
Okay, let me be clear. We keep on believing. We keep on persevering because we are kept by the power of God. We don't persevere because we gut it out. We persevere because He is faithful. And He preserves this. And He is powerful. And He will not lose one that's in His hand. The saints persevere because it's based upon God's character of faithfulness to preserve and to keep His word. It is based on God's character. Isaiah 54, 10. For the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Yes, he's speaking to Israel as a people here in the context of Isaiah, but God's character is consistent And his conduct toward his people is the same because it is in his nature of who he is. John 10, verses 27 through 30. We've looked at this before. We persevere because it, we persevere and are preserved because it is based on God's character and faithfulness. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. He is greater than all. No one, no thing can snatch us out of the Father's hand. Again, God's character, God's faithfulness. Romans 5, verses 8 through 10. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. God's character, God's faithfulness. We have been justified. Because we have been justified, we shall be saved. Right? No dropouts. No dropouts. Right? Remember this? We keep coming back to this passage, right? Romans 8. The chain, the unbreakable chain. God's character, God's faithfulness. And we know, Romans 8, 28 through 30, and we'll finish with 32. And we know that those who, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. We love that verse, right? We love that verse. For those whom... He foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And we saw, going back to the first, second lesson on the sovereignty and the character of God, that what he predestines, what he determines comes to pass. And he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. No dropouts. No breaking the chain. It's all about him. 
right? It's all about His character, His faithfulness. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? And we talked about this all things, this all things that He will graciously give us based upon the death of His Son is this, right? His predestining, His calling, His justifying, and His glorifying. Those are the things that He will assure come to those whom are His. And He will graciously give us all things to include those and perseverance in the end to finish. God's character is what our perseverance and our preservation is based on. The unbreakable iron chain. No dropouts. He, 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 he. God preserves us based upon the promises in the new covenant for his people that he purchased with his blood, right? This is a covenant in my blood for forgiveness of sins. The new covenant is purchased by the blood of Christ. Purchased. And no longer shall each one of you teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. No conditions there. He will do it. Jeremiah 32, 40. And I will make with them an everlasting covenant, that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. They will persevere. Why will we persevere? Because God, in His kindness, right, and because of the promise between Him and His Son, has placed within us a fear of Him. A fear of Him. God's work. God's work. Folks, if it's based upon us, it's a pretty fickle thing. God preserves us because He seals His saints with His Spirit. And it is God who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. He has put His seal on us and given us to His Spirit. He has given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The seal of our guarantee. He put a brand on us. Put a seal of ownership. When you when you brand that cattle, bam. You don't take that off. You don't put a new name tag on. Brand is on the cattle. It's not coming off. Right? It is seared. It is burned on. It's a mark of ownership. And that's what the spirit is. It dwells within us. It is a mark of ownership. God seals us with His Spirit. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in Him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Not at some later time, but when you believed, you were sealed. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, that inheritance, to the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. He keeps us for Christ. And he's able to keep us from stumbling, right? For the praise of his glory. 
Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We can grieve the Spirit. We looked at that last week, right? Professing believers can grieve the Spirit. That doesn't mean we haven't been sealed by Him. Okay? Again, we're not talking about perfection. We're not talking about works righteousness. We're not talking about a falling from grace. We're talking about persevering and being preserved. God said He will keep us. There's another reason why we know we will persevere, because God said so. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. Paul says, To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith in His power. Paul prays for them, right? That God would make them worthy and that God would fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, this this needs to be our prayer. Our salvation is sure. It doesn't mean we don't need to pray to God that He would make us firm and He would fulfill every good work in us. Sickness, health. This is what Paul prayed. Paul prayed that the Thessalonians, what? that God would make them worthy and that He would fulfill their resolve. That needs to be our prayer for each other. That's what we need to be praying for every day for each other as a church. That's how God is determined to work. That's the means with which He's determined to preserve us. Jude. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called beloved in God, the Father, and kept. Kept for Jesus Christ. God's keeping them with a strong hand. Going down, the last two verses in the, in the letter. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our only Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. We are kept. God is able to keep us. Why? For His glory. For His glory. He is able to keep us from stumbling. Nobody else. That's the hope. Okay? I mean, just read that every day. Right? An example from a real life. Peter, right? My favorite guy, right? The rock, Jesus said, this rock, I'm going to build my church. The rock, the Peter. So what's this look like? What's this persevering, this preserving look like? Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. He wanted to take your faith away. 
But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Remember, this is the night before he was betrayed. And Peter says, oh, Lord, I'll, I'll never leave you. And Peter says, Simon. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, oh, Lord, I am ready to go with you to both the prison and the death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you have denied me three times that you know me. Does Peter persevere? Not that night. But what does Jesus say? But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Did his faith fail that night? Yeah. Yeah. But his faith did not fail. Why? Because Jesus prayed for him. That's the picture. Right? Peter failed. His faith failed that night. But Jesus prayed for him that his father might not, that his faith might not ultimately fail. Our picture of Jesus interceding for us in the same way, that our faith may not fail. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, what? Interceding for the saints. Interceding for us. And what is he interceding for? That our faith may not fail. And what does the Father do with the Son's prayers? What does he do with the Son? He answers them. Because everything that Jesus asks is in accordance with God's will. So, what does it look like at the end of Peter's life? Everyone knows this, right? Book of, uh, letter of 1 Peter to the dispersions scattered throughout what is today Turkey. And he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Do you think someone knew about their faith being guarded through trials? Do you think it was anyone that knew it would be Peter? That's what he says. God caused you to be born again. From the foundations of the world, He chose you. And eternity, eternity to the future, there are an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading. And in the meantime, in the meantime, God's power is going to guard us through faith. That's how God's chosen to preserve us, is through our faith. And is a faith that perseveres. So, what about those who fall away? All right. Do they lose their salvation? You know, it's, 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 this is, to me, the frightening verse, John says in his letter. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They went out that it might become plain that they all were not of us. Okay? It's just there, folks. I'm just reading it, right? He preserves us, though, right? And his saints persevere. So how are we then to proceed? How are we then to proceed? So I'm going to read one more. Uh, boy. Revelation 13, verse 8. I, I jotted this down here last time. Revelation 13, verse 8. You can turn to it. 
Okay, this is the end. And the beast has come. He's demanded worship. The beast also was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. Verse 8. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb that was slain. Why don't the saints worship the beast? Because before the foundations of the world, their name was written in the book of life. It's not after they had withstood worshiping the beast that their names were written. No, they did not worship the beast. They stood firm until the end. Why? Because before the foundations of the world, their name had been written in the book of life. Right? Why will we stand? Why will we persevere? Because of God. How are we to proceed? Well, work out your salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance to the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Take serious our holy work, our holy walk, excuse me, our holy walk. Don't just discard it. Don't, if, if not, I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. That's, that, that's, not, that's, not, that's not a heart attitude that the Holy Spirit's done, right? Be, be, if that's your attitude, do a check. Do a check. And repent and call out to God to give you a heart, right? To love and to serve Him. Therefore, my beloved, Paul says in Philippians as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. One side of the coin. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work His good pleasure. Right? The saints persevere because God preserves us. Right? That's the perseverance the saints. Because, again, guys, that, that's our only hope. That's our only hope is that it's of God, all of God, from the first to the last. And I hope that's what we've seen in, in these points. It's all of God. It's all about Him. He gets the glory. We don't, not in any way, shape, or form. We are just, we are just privileged. We are, I mean... Think of how big this universe is. Think of the speck that the earth is in the created universe. And then there, there's, there's men on this, on, this, on this earth. And the God that created them all, the, the God that flung out the stars, He knows them all. They have names because He has purposes for them to declare His glory. Yet He came and He saved us. Well, his, because it was His will and His good pleasure. And we 
get to participate in that. What, what, a, what a mighty and a marvelous thing that is. Uh, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the day. We thank you for this doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, Lord. Lord, may we take seriously your warnings. May we understand that warnings are the means by which you preserve your people. Father, I pray that we would, with, through your spirit, through the strength of your spirit, persevere. And God, we pray that you would preserve us in you. Bring us home in the end. And we might know, because of the work of your son, Jesus Christ, we can know that we will be saved. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.